Psalm 3. Lord, how many are my foes! How many rise up against me! Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again, because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. The word of the Lord. We are in a a summer series called Faith Out Loud, and we're in the Psalms. And this is a symbol of out loud behind me here, just if you're wondering what all that stuff is and speakers and amplifiers. So uh, Christopher Surrey, come on up here. And I had the privilege of hearing uh, Christopher earlier, and I think you will really enjoy his message this morning. Brief introduction, because many of you know Christopher, but he is from Kodera, Kenya. Uh, I've learned a lot about that in the last few weeks, but he has deep roots here that go back almost 20 years when he was a student preparing for a pastoral ministry at the Lutheran Bible Institute, which was right down the road at that time, and then he got connected here, and then we've got, we have been partnering together in a, a school project there for quite some time in Kenya, and change, really changing that world. So uh, I'm not going to say a whole lot more than that, but I want you to listen well. He has a very wonderful accent. We, we prayed about that this morning that you would understand every word. I understood every word. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> first service. So, man, Amen. bring it. Blessings. Good morning, everybody. I would uh, start by bringing greetings from my wife, Florence, and my children. I got to talk to them. And uh, I told them I was going to church, and they said, give our greetings to the church. So yeah, there are lots of greetings from Kenya and from my church back in Kodera, and, uh, and uh, I also bring greetings from Pine Lake Academy to all of you. Before uh, we share what the Lord has for us, as in Psalms chapter 3, I ask that we bow for prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray that you come and dwell amongst us as you have promised. Whenever we gather in your name, you are there. Pray that each one of us will feel the presence of your warmth, the warmth of your presence, and that in your words we will be uplifted and blessed. In your name, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. <clears throat> Psalm 3 has um, a title or a heading, if you will. And it says, a psalm of David when he fled from his son, Absalom. This, the whole story, the whole scene is found in details. If you read from 2 Samuel, 
chapters 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. It has the detailed account of what happened then. It was a coup, and his son Absalom had overthrown him. And so, some of, from some chapter 3, is David's reaction. But if we take a moment, if you take a moment and reflect and imagine the situation when there is a coup, and some of us have experienced that in our countries, uh, particularly I'm referring to myself, I have experienced a situation of a coup by the military in my country. And so as I looked through some, looked at David, looked at Absalom coming to the throne, my imagination brought to me a picture of chaos, great chaos. There was great turmoil in Israel, in the kingdom where David ruled. I could imagine that those who were for Absalom, who had just taken over, rejoicing and celebrating, I could imagine that those who were for David were desperate. They were hopeless. They were crying and wailing. So it, it was chaos and it was turmoil. As David settles in exile, as David settles into the reality of his new life, as David settles into the reality of his new status, he was the king. He is no more the king at this time. Psalms 3 is his voice that came out of that realization of who he is at that time and what he thinks of himself. Psalm 3, a reflection of his deepest thoughts, his deepest reflections, on his personal assessment of the situation and his kingship. And I can go on and on. And so we read him saying, O oh Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? How many are saying of me, God will not deliver him? Those verses 1 and 2, brings a picture of what is contained in that story, as I said in chapter 16, 17, 18, and 19. As David fled from his son and from his kingdom, as he was going out into exile, certain things happened to him. One of them was a man called Shimei, and he would run to David and his team of warriors and army, and he would curse him. He cursed him with 
all manner of insults. And he threw rocks at him. And David had an army with swords, with spears, and with everything. So I see in verses 1 and 2, as he settles in exile, he's like, God would even she may turn be and be my enemy. Some of his closest allies decamped from him as he fled his country. They went back to join with his son who had overthrown him. And they became advisors of him. And so you can see the tone of the music in his heart coming from his voice as he says, how many are my enemies? How many are my foes? My uh, national security advisor has left me. He has abandoned me. This guy was so close to me. Has he also turned and become my enemy? How could Shimei, whom I have known very closely, throw rocks at me and curses? And so he was, could feel the tone of the psalm in him, of the music. But the greatest point here is that instead of David in anger and rage, planning on his revenge, he turns to God and says, even Simei, even my security advisor, God, all those have turned against me, how many are my foes? In verses 3 and 4, he changes his tone. And so I say, as I meditated through this, I, my feeling came out that he had so many questions to God about his situation in verses 1 and 2. And he was tense, so tense as he said, God, how many are my enemies? How dare do they say you will not deliver me? And that is because so many people in Israel knew how David came to the throne. They all knew that God was with him. They knew that among Jesse's sons, David was chosen. And so if anything would happen to a situation where David has to run and flee for his life, it means God has abandoned him. And so he is saying, they are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But I, what touches my heart, that he goes with all this to God and says, those people are saying that you are not going to li- deliver me. When did we break this bond between you and me? I have always trusted you. And in verses 3 and 4, as I have said, the tone changes. If he was tense in verses 1 and 2, you could look with me and see that he begins to smile in verses 3 and 4. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. Then he felt there is still security. He was secure. He was not done yet. He was not crushed 
he was not finished. Three and four he's saying is well with me. If he was shaking, now he was smiling of the assurance of God that he's speaking to him. And I remember my first Sunday here, and we, are, we were in church for service. Pastor Brennan, he said, and during that time in your country here, there was so much pain. It was a time with the same week, about five or more police officers were shot, and there was so much anger, there was so much rage, left and right. But as he made the opening remark during the service, he said, let us not keep all our minds and energies about that. If we would sit in church and pause for a moment and look at what God is doing, that will make the difference. And so David assures his people, the people who had fled with him, God is still at work. And if we would only pause for a moment and think about it, we would see that God has not abandoned us as others were suggesting or saying. Verse 5 and 6, a clear reassurance to him. As he says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me. David feels the assurance of the Lord with him. He's not bothered about his kingdom or whatever happens, but he is sure he is in the perfect place, and the perfect place to be is to be with God wherever he was. And if he was singing this to the rest of the people with, with him, he was telling them, no reason for fear. Guys, God is in control. And in verse 7, Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw and break the teeth of the wicked. He rests his case with God. He gets specific. He goes on his knees to pray. Whatever has happened, I come to you, God. I'm not going to put up an army to try and defend myself. I'm not going to go back and fight for my throne. I leave it to you to fight for me. And that is the big point. And that is the good news for us as church this morning. He wants God to avenge for him in whichever situation. I have a point here that I relate to uh, from my cultural background. If two people are in a fight, physical fight, and one person bites the other, or if 
both of them in the fight bite one another. The biting with the teeth means the person is determined to kill you. And you know we don't have guns in our country. It is illegal to own a gun. So if people get in physical fight and someone reaches out with the teeth and bites the other one, the statement is clear. If I had any weapon to finish you, that is all I intend to do now. That is the symbol of biting. If someone bites you, you walk away and say, so you are all, you are all intention is to see that I'm dead and I'm no more. It's not just a mere physical confrontation. So when David says, strike all my enemies on the jaw, he is referring to this, that these people are all set. They are all after me. They just don't want to see me out of the kingdom. They want to see me dead. They want to see me finished. But I leave that to you, God. You are going to defend me. Because when you break their jaws, they don't have teeth to bite. And if you break their teeth, as he says, break the teeth of the wicked, then I know I will be safe. So all his safety is in God himself. His safety is not on himself. This is surrender to God. Brothers, in a country close to my country, there are East African countries, and some of you know a country called Rwanda. A couple of months ago, there was a coup. And for a week or so, the president was in exile. He managed to put up his forces and went back in his country and recovered his throne. He went back to power. It wasn't the easiest thing. You would walk in the streets of the capital of that country. There was blood all over. Because he came back with rage. He was fierce. He killed his enemies. To date, as I speak, anyone that is in his country who was against him, who has not fled, day by day people wake up and find them dead. So there is still blood going on. He wants to defend himself. And this is the difference. That David fled, but then he would turn to God and say, I rest my case with you. Most recently, there was a coup in Turkey. The president got back. It didn't take him long. The coup was thwarted. But I remember one statement that went into all the world. He said, America, bring that preacher who is hiding, the Turkish preacher, is hiding in your country. And he is behind the coup. Bring him back. Because I want to deal with him. And this is the difference. And so, 
when Brennan said, God is still at work. Let's find what God is doing. He's doing miracles. And David assures us in his desperate situation, say, God, I leave this to you. You are going to be the one to act on my situation. From my community, my village of Kodera, one day a man was woken up with his wife in sleep by police. The police told him, we have such warrant for your home. These were very humble people. And the police searches their home and finds a gun. They, have, they had never touched a gun. They had never seen a pistol. But this was a pistol. They had only seen the policemen with guns. And today, to that night, they were arrested because there was a gun on their roof. As I said earlier, it is illegal to own a gun in my country. And so they were arrested. In night dresses, they were howled to prison. And so later on, the case went on. And I want to make it short. On the day of judgment, the jury found them innocent. And the judge made it clear in the ruling and said, It is beyond any doubt that the people who told the police that you had a gun had planted that gun, so you are free to go. This man who planted the gun and called the police to arrest these guys is the same man who is charged an employee of government charged to ensure there is total security and peace in my community. If you have heard that at one time there was robbery when we had missions, uh, missionaries from here, he is the person who was behind. He's the very person who planned that. And he planned a gun on someone's roof and goes and tells the police to come and get him. Because he wanted to finish this guy. So you know what? The community were relieved that these guys are free. But then everyone was like, okay, it is our turn. You are within your rights to go and sue him in court for doing what he did to you. This is the only way we are going to get him out. We are sick and tired of him. So I was thinking over this. God put a burden in my heart. And it took me time. Trying to go along with this guy and just let him go and sue. But one time when I could not hold back anymore. I went to his house very early before they woke up. So I woke them up. 
I actually asked them to go back to sleep because all I wanted was to make sure they are still there before they left for any other places. So I said, I can sit in your living room and you go back and finish your sleep. When you wake up, you come back to me. (laughs) And then I shared with them from Romans 12, 19. Let me just take a moment and read it. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I meditated on these words and it just kept on bugging me. And so I ran to tell them this. I sat with them. I shared with them. I told them it was perfectly right for them to go. And I didn't think if they did and if they did and sued this man in, and took him to court that they would be revenging. I still don't think they would be revenging. But this verse was so big in my heart. So we sat and prayed. I told them you Decide on your own. They never answered me what they think. I said I just wanted to pray. But I made it clear. I asked them to let give all their suffering to God. Several months later or a year or two. The guy the same guy was implicated in another robbery from a far off place that we didn't even know. And in the end, he ended up in jail. And his job was no more. And I got this to share this because I saw in Psalms 3, David saying to God, Hey, I give my situation to you. I give my enemies to you. Be the one to deal with them, not me. The community testified and continue to testify that we think because you gave this up to God, God paid this man for his sins. Brothers and sisters, for David to look up to God in a desperate situation. And we all know in moments, such moments come in our lives. It is an extraordinary action that David took. It was not a normal thing. We would always want to do everything to defend ourselves. But it is a clear exposition. It's a clear indication that David believed in God. And so are we called this morning to believe in God. He will take care of situations that we would think are impossible to deal with
David had faith in God. And he had faith in God's might. And he had faith in God's power. And so are we called this morning to know the God we have come to serve. It's a a mighty God. It's a God who is powerful. David trusted in God. And he trusted in God's promises and God's faithfulness. So are we called by names, each one of us, to trust in God and to trust in God's faithfulness. David surrendered all his life to God's will. Brothers and sisters, the God who has called us has asked us to surrender our lives to him. May God bless each one of us in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.